talking about the Holy Spirit today. <laughs> Emphasis on holy. <laughs> I, uh, man, just been warfare all week, and uh, just got nothing but a bunch of, uh, a lot of facts and things, you know. And uh, church, we need the Holy Spirit. And it's not just an emotional thing, you know what I mean? Just to consume us and overflow us and overpower us. And, you know, I just want the Lord to touch my life. I, I need Him so much. And the reason why I'm kind of focusing on the Holy Spirit, and I feel like that's where the Lord leads us because I, I need Him. You know, it's not because, hey, you guys, you need them. I know you need them, believe me. But I really need them, you know. And the truth is, I don't know too much about them, you know. I've been raised in the church, and we know a lot of doctrine. And But I want to know, I want to know more fully. I want them to impact me in such a deep way. And... um when I look at Jesus, I just, uh, I see the Holy Spirit. I see the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I see what he said and the words he had and how they were life and how they impacted the people around him. And I want to be like that. I, I want Matt to die <laughs> daily, a miserable death. And I want Jesus just to be lifted up in my heart. And I know that that is your heart. I know that's your heart. I've been around you. I've been in knowing, getting to know you guys for four years now, and you love the Lord. You love the Lord. And hasn't he been so faithful to us? Hasn't he done great things over the years? Would it be an insult to say that he wants to do more? <laughs> Would it be an insult to turn to your husband or wife and say, you know what, I want to love you more. I want to give more to you. I want to bless you more. I don't care how many years we've been walking together. I want better, deeper, more profound, more impact. And I, that's the heart of what I want to get out in the next three weeks. And you know, as you know, let's put this together. Just a, I think it's just the overwhelming fact that it's like, Lord, I, I'm I'm really unworthy to talk about this. You know. Um, you know, we, we know that the Holy Spirit is God. You know, that He is, he is God. The Scriptures declare He's God. We see that we know that He's a person. And I just want to go, okay, well, great. We know that He's God. We know that He's a person. We know the Scriptures. Have, we've gone over those things. But what does that do? How does that impact me? What's my relationship to Him? What does he do in the world? How does he work through the church? And obviously, it's inexhaustible. We just, we just can't get into it. And I mean, just think of these things about the Holy Spirit, that he speaks to us. Revelation 2, 7, whoever's near, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Church, do you realize that the Holy Spirit speaks to us? Christ Community Fellowship, the group of, the gathering of believers this morning, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And he desires that we have ears to hear 
eyes to see, hearts to change, you know? He sets apart people for special things in the body. Each one of you has a gifting and has a calling. And the Holy Spirit is the one who sets you apart and who gives you that task. I don't. The elders don't. The Holy Spirit does. He bought you. He purchased you. He loves you. He made you. And He alone is separating you for a work that is like no one else's. Your fingerprint declares that. Your retinal scan declares that. Your veins declare that. Each thing is different about us. He prays for you. He intercedes for you. I know that's weird. It's like he talks to himself about you. I don't know how that works out. How many of you feel like you're all alone? And sometimes you just like, does anybody get what I'm going through? Does anybody understand the pain I feel? Does anybody, can anybody relate to the depth of what's going on? I can't even sometimes. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. He prays with groanings that you can't even comprehend. He knows what's going on in the deepest part of your heart. He testifies about the Son. He does this through us, through the church. He proclaims Jesus through us. He leads. He told Philip, remember in Acts, hey, go and talk to this person. He leads you, church. And I ask myself often, does he really, Matt? <laughs> does he lead me? <laughs> or does he say, go over here? And I go, I don't think so. I'm a little tired. I'd rather do this. But he does. Go check out that chariot. He restrains. He allows, he protects. You know, he allows Paul to not go into places. Not now. Not my timing. You go there, you're going to die. And then the Spirit leads and he opens up doors for us to go through. I mean, he is such an intricate part of our lives. He guides. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. How many of you need truth in your life, need to know what to do, where to go? The Holy Spirit guides us into that truth. As we open the Word of God, he illuminates it. He wrote it. He testifies with our hearts, and this is why when we can read through Scripture and there's nothing there, and all of a sudden something we've read a hundred times pops up, and it just applies to right where we are. That's the Holy Spirit. He can be lied to. Remember that? They decided to give their offerings, New Testament church. They said, oh, we sold this property. Oh, we gave all the proceeds, but they, you know, how they actually held some back. And, well, Peter said, you have not lied to me, but you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. And they died. New Testament church. Don't know what to do with that. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. That's probably the takeaway from that. He can be blasphemed. He can be grieved. Holy Spirit's person. Can you be grieved? The Holy Spirit can be grieved. We're dealing with someone who is so full and so a part of our lives. 
And yet the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit is he is so subtle at times. And the reason being is the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to bring attention to himself, but he testifies of Jesus Christ. That is what he does. When there are pictures in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit, remember the, when Abraham sent his servant to go get a bride for his son Isaac? We don't even know who the servant's name is. The servant was sent, and he went and he gave gifts to this woman he found from a far-off land and brought her back home to give to his son, similar to the father sending the Holy Spirit to bring a bride to his son from a far-off land, what the journey we're on, and gives gifts. And she willingly goes along, having not seen the son, the one that she would marry. And yet we have to search through scriptures to find out that that is Eleazar, Eleazar, same kind of word for comforter. So subtle. He didn't come as a hawk, didn't descend upon Jesus as a hawk or a vulture. He came as a dove. How subtle. How gentle. Yet we see the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. How powerful was that? The fullness of the Spirit, the wisdom, Isaiah 11, we can read about that. The things he did, the things that he encountered, the, the resurrections, the, the demon, uh, exor- to, uh, when he took the demons out, you know, when he cast the demons out, when he healed people, when he spoke all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not begin his ministry until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the difference maker in his life. You're saying, well, he's Jesus, he's God. Yes, but he's also man. Jesus, did he have to get baptized? Yes, in order that the scriptures would be filled. He identified with us fully. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. We are in desperate need of this type of life. Not just Christian Sundays, you know, going to church because we have to. Not worshiping because we have to. Not evangelizing because we have to, but because we're compelled. And friends, that cannot be manufactured in my life. Someone cannot force me to do that. I can know all the rights and I can know all the wrongs. And I can re- It has to be a response to the Holy Spirit in my life. That is what he does. He comes in. He fills us to overflowing. The degree, I think, I believe, to which we ask, I think the Lord sovereignly gives. I think the enemy plays a trick on us and says, okay, you're saved and that's all I have for you and glad you're in. Just remain powerless, ineffective, caught up in sin, don't witness, you're good, you're in the door, and that's all. There's so much more. That is not the Christian life. You were saved for a purpose. He pulled you out for a purpose and a meaning, and I see that happening in and through so many of you. 
But like you, I struggle. You know, I allow sin or, or, or bad motives or whatever it is to get, become patterns in my life once again. And I resist the Holy Spirit. And I say, no, I've got it. I can, I can do this ministry in my own power. I've got it. And we'll build the nation. We'll build the army. We'll go do this. My family, blah, 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 blah. And Matt, 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 my kingdom. And anybody do that ever? And I just burn out. Look at Galatians chapter 5. And I, I look at this list over here in Galatians chapter 5. It's pretty... It's talking about the flesh and the spirit. Is the flesh in verse 19, chapter 5, verse 19 says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred. Witchcraft is another word for pharmacaea, which is where we get the word for drugs. Just there's a demonic connection there when we're possessed by those things. Hatred discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but. Love it when God puts those in there, don't you? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There's no law. And so there's this contrast between the life of the flesh and the life of the Spirit. And I can go to the, the Scriptures and see which I'm walking in real quickly. God doesn't pull any punches. So how, how, how's that working out for me today, you know? Boy, I see a lot in that, that other thing. The flesh likes to dominate my life. Anybody else? So he says, keep in step with the Spirit, and you're not going to gratify those things. You know, the closer that we get to the Lord, the more we allow Him to possess us and to fill us, the more that we give in to Him and ask and seek and knock. You know, those other things, they just become less, and the new nature takes root. So there's so many things about the Spirit. But this morning I wanted to talk to you just really quickly about the three aspects of how the Holy Spirit, Spirit interacts with us. And I think this is what the Lord has for us this morning. Gary and I were sharing on this, and it was a real encouragement. But would you please turn to uh, John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17. John chapter 14, 15 through 17. It's on the, maybe on the board, I don't know. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, hey, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is a theme throughout John 13 through 17. He says, and I will pray the Father. I'm going to pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, 
the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the disciples and Jesus had been hanging out for a couple years now. They've been daily in communication with their lives. Their lives have been radically changed. Jesus said, come, be fishers of men, called tax collectors out of that life. I mean, just radically changed. He'd given them power to heal people, to uh, cast out demons, to preach the word, to preach the kingdom. These people were changed. They were fully integrated and dependent upon Jesus. And Jesus is obviously, he's training them and teaching them on a daily. They were dependent. Imagine if your life changed like that. Fishing to fishing for men with incredible things happening around you all the time. You're around Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus met each of them and called them out of their kingdom into his. The disciples were all in, and we know this in John 6, 68, when Jesus starts to teach some pretty hard things. And Jesus said, hey, are you going to leave me too? Because disciples were leaving Jesus. And Peter says, where else would we go? For you have the words of life. Where else are we going? We're not going anywhere else. Fast forward to John 16. The disciples are still in the upper room right before Jesus would be betrayed. This is all one big dialogue, chapter 13 to 17, the upper room, right? Jesus is wrapping up his earthly ministry and he speaks to them about so many key things. He washes their feet. He prays for them. Judas is identified as the one who will betray him. I mean, so much is going on. He's given his final dialogue, his final talk with them. He's saying, these are, these are the, the things that are about to happen. I'm going to leave you. They still didn't get it. I'm going to leave you. And then, beginning in verse 15, we see what he says. He says, I'm going to send you a helper. And he's going to be with you, but he's going to be in you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. And Jesus will soon be seated at the right hand of the Father from the disciples' perspective in time here, and it appeared this group of disciples would be left alone. They'd be left alone. But Jesus tells them, no, I am not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you the promise. That's cool. He calls them the promise. The promise of the Spirit. When God makes a promise, he doesn't even need to make a promise. When he says things, they are promises. They just happen. We know this. He specifically calls them, I'm going to send you the promise. You will not be alone. You will not be orphans. The relationship we have will not end. It's not going to stop. I'm going to send you another helper. And we know that this word for helper is the parakletos, which means, you know, it's not the parakeet, as Byron likes to call him. I'm just kidding. But this means a person summoned to one's aid, para right? Next, alongside. Somebody comes alongside. Parachurch organizations, right? Come alongside churches. The Paracletos is the Holy Spirit, the helper, the one who Jesus would send 50 days after his death. This helper would be another helper. That word for helper, another I mean, is Alan. 
And Alan just means another of the same kind, not another of a different kind, a number of the same kind, the exact same kind that I am, I'm sending to you. He was their comforter. Jesus had been their comforter. He had been alongside of them. He came alongside of them physically and he walked with them in day-to-day life. He helped them to understand what was going on around them. How to, how to, what do you do when you're in this certain circumstance? That's what Jesus was doing. He was teaching them about the kingdom, teaching them about who they were as those sons of the King of kings and the Lord, of what they'd been brought into, how they were changed as people. When the multitudes were hungry, he fed them, did he not? When the sick needed healing, he healed them. When people lacked understanding, he taught them. When people needed guidance, he guided them. It goes on and on and on. This is what Jesus did on the earth. He said, I'm sending someone else exactly like me, another of the same kind. Jesus was of ultimate comfort, and he walked alongside of mankind, specifically the disciples we're talking about. And now Jesus was about to leave, and he's saying, I'm going to pray the Father, and I'm going to send you another comforter, not a different kind, the same kind, the Spirit of Christ, as the New Testament calls him, would be sent. The Spirit of Jesus. And actually, Jesus said that because of this, they would do greater things than he did. And what I love even more about it is that the Holy Spirit is not limited like Jesus was on the earth. Jesus was confined to a body. He had a specific purpose. Now the Spirit of Christ can be in Sunday morning service in Walla Walla and the jungles of Cambodia and the church across the street all at the same time, ministering all over the world. He's not limited. Jesus' ministry goes forward through the Spirit. It's a continuation. It's not divided among the churches, it is exponential. It's given out. It's not limited anymore. Not only that, the relation to the Holy Spirit with mankind changed at that time. It changed, friends. Did you know in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, it fell upon people and left? That's why Samson, you know, we think Samson was really buff. We attribute it to buff. No, I don't think he was necessarily buff. The Spirit, if you notice, in every single time, right before he's about to do something awesome, the Spirit of the Lord fell upon him, and then he tore the lion in half. Then he beat up the Philistines. Then he took the gate and ran away. Then, and when he got his hair cut after he'd been messing around with Delilah, what did it say? He thought he'd get up as before, but he did not realize that the Lord had departed. David, this is why he cries out in Psalm 51. Man, create in me a clean heart. You know, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Don't take it from me. New Testament, permanent fixture. What grace. He does not leave. How many Samsons are around here? I got Samson in my heart, don't you? He does not leave. What grace is that? God does not leave us nor forsake us, Jesus said. Amen? I'll send you another helper, the same kind like Jesus. Jesus never left his guys, never left his gals, never will. Then he says in verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. 
we're given a little bit more information here. We're given a little bit more insight into the helper. He's now called the spirit of truth. And he's called a he. As we discussed, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's identified as he and him. He is not an active force. He is a person. That's how he's identified throughout Scripture. And Jesus says of the Spirit, this third person of the Trinity, the Spirit cannot be embraced by darkness. It cannot be received by the world. It cannot see it, nor does it know it. He is holy. He is set apart. He is not like us. Sinful man cannot... They're incompatible. The Holy Spirit and sinful man are incompatible. There's a problem. Can't be received by them. He doesn't have the capacity to receive the Holy Spirit. He doesn't have it. It's not an ability. He doesn't see it. He doesn't know it. He cannot. It's it's impossible. You know, there are waves beaming through this room right now. And I have neither ability to see them or to know them or to be able to play that radio station in my head. It's impossible. I'm incompatible. I do not have the adapter that makes me be able to do that. I have to have something. Mankind was given a spirit inside. And we were able to connect with the Lord and to see him and walk with him. When Adam took that fruit and he bit willfully against it and he sinned against God, the equipment was broken. His spirit was broken. And we say, God said, in the day that you eat that, you shall surely what? Die. Did he die that day physically? No. So what happened? He died spiritually. The part that connected his spirit with the spirit of God, those things, incompatible got fried, permanently broken. The world cannot receive the Spirit because their tuner is irreparably damaged. It's dead and needs to be made alive again. It needs to be made alive again. The Spirit of God is light and it's light and it's truth. And ever since Adam took that fruit and he bit it, we became broken. Every descendant of Adam is in our blood. We, are, we come with broken. We're, bro- we're a broken line. And all of mankind is in darkness, and by nature we are children of wrath. That is what God says about us. He is holy, we are not. And we like to have our own little scales and say all the good things are done and all that stuff, but when it comes down to the core of humanity, we're broken. Look around at how sin, the shrapnel of sin, takes place in our families. How it takes place in our nation and cultures and all around. Even the genuinely good people, we call them good people, right? Rotten through and through. We're busted. The Spirit rejects sinful man. We're incompatible. He is holy. He is truth. Mankind is unholy, and our nature is predicated upon a lie that cannot be removed by our own doing. And we look at this world around us and we try to justify our position again. But there's nothing that is not tainted by sin. It flows from us. It is our nature. Our nature is broken. Relationships are broken. All around us. 
We, we don't need to, we need to try to maintain relationships. They naturally fall apart. Do they not? I need to resist evil because that's what I'm naturally inclined towards. The whole world is broken. It cannot know, see nor know the spirit God declares. And we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own path. And the scriptures go on and on and on about the nature of man. Is that what they're teaching you in high school? Is that what they're teaching you in psychology? Is that what they're teaching you through public media? No. That we're basically good. On our own scale, sure. But that's not the scale that we're going to be judged by. That's not the scale that matters. And I love the Lord. Oh, but you, my disciples, Jesus said, I'm paraphrasing, but you know him. And he dwells with you and he will be what? He's going to be in you. Jesus revealed the spirit of God to them. The fullness of the spirit was upon him. Isaiah 11, read it. And Jesus says to the disciples, you know the spirit, you've seen him. And I assume Jesus is saying, you've seen him in me. You saw him descend, some of you, like a dove and and fall upon me, and you've seen him in my life. This is what the Spirit is. You've seen the light. He's been with you, but now he's going to be in you. When I go, I'm going to send him, and he will now be, the same Spirit that was in me will be in you. And really, verse 17 shows a glimpse of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. There are two Greek prepositions he gave here. First, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit dwells with you. This is para, like the paraclete, right? We talked about this. The Holy Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit does when he first, um, uh, when he first walks alongside, I'm sorry, when we first encounter him, he's walking alongside us. And what is he doing? Well, John 16, verse 7 through 11 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I'm going to send him to you. And when he comes, he's going to do a couple things here. He will convict the world of sin he, of right, and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the rule of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit comes alongside sinful men and is convicting him convincing him of his unrighteousness. Sin by nature deceives us and makes us think we're okay. You ever met anybody who just is so self-destructive and they have no idea of it? And you go, wow, look at that. Those are blatant examples. That is actually, that's why Jesus says, be careful lest you judge. Be careful when you're judging. Look what's going on in your own heart because you're probably deceived on that same thing. Be careful. Look carefully into your own heart before you start going smacking other people's sticks, right? But the Holy Spirit, he first comes alongside. We already saw that we are incompatible with the Spirit as sinful men and women. And God owes us nothing and could have left us in darkness, but that is not who he is. Praise God! That is not who he is darkness. I'm going to stay away from you. That is not who he is. He goes to darkness. That is his nature. He goes to the darkness that shines his light, comes alongside the darkness, wakes us up to the fact of our sin, 
and the righteousness of Christ and the judgment of the evil king Satan and all who follow his footsteps. What grace that God would send light into a world to illuminate our evil and point out the cure, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You know, we're, we're in darkness, but he's the light and he is life. And this life can be given to us and we can avoid the judgment by responding to the Spirit's message. And that is what he does. He walks alongside and gives us the message, the gospel. How does he do that? Through you. You are the light of the world. So what do we preach? We preach sin, righteousness, judgment. The Holy Spirit, the world doesn't like it. Who likes to have the darkness expelled in their lives? I don't. But the Holy Spirit gently comes into my life and says, you know, Matt, do you see the righteousness of Jesus? And as I see the righteousness of Jesus, I go, oh, I'm so dark. And I can either run away or I can go, oh, save me. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. And he calls people to himself. For the moment a person receives this witness, they become changed. Jesus satisfied the punishment for our sins and is in desires to give us his Holy Spirit, to take the darkness and give us light. That's what he does. And the moment a person receives this witness of the Holy Spirit, Jesus takes away his sins. And when, any, when he, anyone invites Jesus to come into his heart, his, her heart, to take over and to rule, to control their lives, the Holy Spirit then comes into that person's life. And that's the second preposition. He's not only with but he, now he's in. He is in you when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He is now in you. He comes and dwells. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19-20, Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. That's where he lives. That's where he hangs out. That's his pad. He's not going anywhere. He paid for that thing. Bought in full. Right? Paid. By the blood of Jesus Christ, he purchased you. That's where he lives. For you were bought with a price. Holy Spirit no longer is just alongside of us, but he takes up residence in our bodies, which has become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ now takes residence in us. He does not leave. It's permanent. He's not getting evicted. None of that stuff. You can make it miserable, but he's in there. He's the down payment. He's the proof that we've been saved. And we're closing. Ephesians 1, 13-14. In Him you've also trusted. And you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you also believed. And you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He was the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchase of possession to the praise of His glory. And He is the down payment. The very fact that you have the Holy Spirit in you now is the fact that you've been born again and God is coming to get you. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? 2 Timothy 1.4, guard through the Holy Spirit, uh, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Romans 8.11, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. 
So the Holy Spirit is with us and he's in us. I love that. We now have tuners, so to speak. We can hear, we can see the things of the Spirit. And that is why when we talk about the Lord with people who are unsaved, they're like, it's darkness, it's foolishness. They don't have the tuner. But when the light's been switched on, oh my goodness, a whole nother world. When I turn on my phone and I click that station and I'm listening to that radio program, there's something coming through. And that's what happens in the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. We now are restored through Jesus Christ, not because I did anything, but because he loves us. And he died for us and said, I want to save you. Here, have my spirit. Yours is broken. I'll pay the price. Do you receive it? What grace, what goodness. Thank you. And that is our message to the world. And it's not up to us to make people feel bad about how they live. That's the spirit working in their lives. We just preach it. We live it. We shine it. And let the Holy Spirit work that out. And we're ending on this. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 4 through 8. Going into overtime. Be just a second. Literally, this is all I have to read. Okay? Jesus is risen. He's about to go back to the Father. We know that Jesus said the promise would come, the helper, and he'd be with them. He'd be in them. But guess what? There's another part. But now he adds something else. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. I want you guys to wait here. Which, he said, you have heard from me. I told you about it. Remember back there in John chapter 14 in the upper room, everybody? For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you act at this time to restore the kingdom of Israel? Like, what are you guys talking about? He said, I'm going to give you the promise of the Holy Spirit. They're going, oh, you mean to restore the kingdom? They're like thinking, is that the promise you're talking about? I mean, they're total disciples, right? Jesus is constantly going, no, 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 remember, no, remember, no, remember. Anybody ever have that? Yeah, I've got kids. Do you have kids? I am a kid. This happens. He goes, no, it's not really up to you to know when these things are happening. The Father knows about this. And he said to them, it's not for you to know these things. The times of the season. The Father has to put his, has those things in his own authority. But verse 8, but you. Let's get back to you. You shall receive power. Love that word. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, is the word upon you. In with upon. Epi. It's epic. And you shall, what? Be my witnesses. To me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What is this upon? What is this dynamic? Do you have the upon? Is your life full of power? Are you a witness of Jesus Christ? 
Do you have that love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness kind of self-control? There might be something missing. Jesus, in the end, this is not, I'm not preaching a, a separate baptism. I'm saying that there is a dynamic that the Lord wants to instill on his church. And I want to talk about that. It does not involve barking and clucking. You know that. It does not involve you speaking in tongues in order to be saved. But this epi, what is it? He's been with you. He is in you. But is he upon us? Jesus said, at the end of that feast, he cried out. Anybody thirsty? They had just had a seven-day-long religious festival. And he's crying out, anyone thirsty? They've been churching it up, folks. He says, come to me, and I will give you what? I'm going to give you that living water. It's going to be like torrents coming out of you. Lord Jesus, you are the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. You are the giver of the Holy Spirit. You send him. You've talked to us so much this morning already about, a little bit about what you've done. And I'm asking, Lord, that as next week we head into what this overflow looks like. this dynamic. We ask that you would capture our hearts. That you would just do whatever work you desire to do in your church. You are sovereign. You are holy. Lord, we don't want to manufacture anything. We don't want to uh, do anything that you don't want to have happen. We just want to be readers of your word, believers of your word, and do what you say and ask and pray. And you, if you decide to grace us with more, Lord, we ask for that. We love you. We thank you. We pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit now and this week. In the name of Jesus, amen.